Happy Halloween and welcome to All Day Coffee. I'm Greg Robiard, author of Captain Freedom. I'll be doing this comedy podcast for the next month or so. I've got a new book out today. It's called Deadfellas, Monsters vs. the Mob, and you can buy it on Amazon. You can also find it at deadfellasthebook.com. Deadfellas is about a Long Island wise guy who battles with the undead for control of the local mall. It's also a satire about capitalism and the immigration debate, but mostly it's laughter and a whole lot of blood. Since this book is self-published, I can do things a little differently. From now, today, until forever, I'll donate a third of the proceeds to rebuilding efforts in Puerto Rico. That means if you buy it for $3 on deadfellasthebook.com, a buck goes to rebuilding. Our first episode is a live reading out of Deadfellas that took place at the beloved, but now deceased, Blue Monk in Portland, Oregon. I was standing in front of a screen, and while I read, three artists sketched drawings somehow related to the reading, and then the drawings were projected behind me. I couldn't see what they were doing, and I have never been more self-conscious. It was a delightful mess. Enjoy! It's Christmas Eve. The narrator is a wise guy named Bugsy Maddox, and he works for a vampire named Straker. Um, the only other thing you have to know is that the undead in this story are referred to as preternaturals or preds. An enormous crowd of humans streamed into the mall, and they were met by an army of preds almost the same size. The preds sprung out from behind the giant plastic tree or misted out from the walls. The place was rotten with the undead. Straker's familiars had put down their weapons and vanished. A few shoppers slowed down to look at the band preds. It didn't matter. The humans weren't afraid. The preds weren't marching at them as far as the civilians knew. When the humans saw the zombies, succubi, jackal heads, wraiths, and ghouls, they didn't see an enemy. They didn't see monsters that wanted to dine on their flesh. They saw competition. They saw the people who usually built their houses, cleaned their hotel rooms and swimming pools, blocking them from last-minute Christmas deals. Instead of being afraid, the last-minute shoppers didn't turn around. They started to run at the line of preds, trying to get their, to their destination stores and find toys or perfume at 50% off. On the one side, you had preds tired from low-wage jobs and subtle ethnic digs at every turn. On the other, people who wanted Christmas to be over so they could clean up, drink some spiked eggnog, and watch a little goddamn football. The dead and the living collided. Humans yelled at the undead to get out of their way. They screamed things like dead eyes and grave bunny, and far more offensive terms I'd never heard decent people use. The preds snarled and moaned. From my, my vantage point, I couldn't see who bit first. The mall erupted. Old ladies fresh out of church screamed racist epithets and tried to beat away ghouls with their handbags. It was no longer a Christmas shopping trip. It was a race riot. A wraith carried off someone's tiny white Pomeranian as it barked, helpless in its green and red sweater. A young mother choked a ghoul with a silver necklace until it passed out. <laughs> the, night from, the night manager from the Swarovski ran into me, holding a compress around his neck. You need to help me, he cried. I was such a baby. Show me, I said. And we sat down at a table on the far edge of the food court, as far as the, from the fray as possible. It was the middle of the night, and all the restaurants were empty. Clearly, the combination of high-stakes shopping and the smell of decomposing flesh was bad for business. 
Let me see, I said, and ripped off the dressing from his neck. It was a bite. The part where the neck met the shoulder on the left side looked like taco meat. You have an inverted clavicle, I said. No, I don't. You do now. He asked if it was a vampire bite, and I shook my head. How do you know, I said. Vampires are neat freaks. I didn't bother telling him Straker wasn't around, and no other vamp would come within, without the prior invitation. It had bat wings, he said. Vampires turn into bats sometimes, right? Fuck should I know? I'd never seen Straker turn into a bat. What should I do? I don't want to be a vampire. I'd been night manager for 10 years already. They owe me a promotion. If he'd been night manager for 10 years, he might already be undead. Listen, go over to the sparrows, order some garlic melts, and rub them against the wound. It'll hurt like a motherfucker, but you should be fine. He ran off. I followed him toward the food court. Most of the action was at the KY Toys, where shoppers streamed in for their love do dolls. Over the radio, I ordered our guys to act as bouncers if they could to somehow prevent humans and Preds from getting to the toy store. Nobody responded. From the food court, I could see a melee breaking out between Preds and shoppers. I heard howls and screaming. Then I saw something small, flesh-colored being thrown in the air. It's a baby, someone shouted. I saw it caught by a zombie, then pulled out of the zombie's hands. After that, I saw just a single limb. There was no blood. My stomach lurched. It couldn't be real. It's a love a doll <laughs> yelled another person. Those people tore up the last love a said another. They aren't even people. They're goddamn animals, an old man shouted. Fucking Preds should come back from where they came from. After that, the Preds went ballistic. <laughs> even though they were outnumbered and liked the Preds' strength, the shoppers held their own, running on adrenaline and holiday angst. One fat lady clutching a bag of alphabet blocks pulled out her taser and started zapping Preds and humans alike. Swear to God, I saw a human guy gnawing at the leg of a zombie. <laughs> I puked. Without thinking, I dove into the first store I could get into and shut my eyes. My, leg ache, my legs ached from running and I was winded. My eyes blurred from pain. I rubbed them and looked around. I was inside Forever 21. <laughs> I, I'm just going to point out that my editor hates this chapter, which I, is why I had to read it. <laughs> At this point, I expected wraiths to melt in through the walls and suck out my brains through my dickhole, but nothing. <laughs> it was quiet. There were no other shoppers, just a few young workers in slutty clothes folding other slutty clothes. One of them approached me, sucking on a lollipop. She wore a leather miniskirt and black leather thigh-high boots. On the front of her revealing blouse was a sequin cross. Underneath it read, Daddy's Little Girl, in gothic lettering. The girl bent down, and I could see way more of the cleavage of the 16-year-old girl than I should have had. She had another crucifix, glittering silver, on a chain around her neck. Think I could borrow that? I said, staring at her breasts. You'll be safe here for a while. How? They'll break in through the back doors or underground tunnels any second. Not forever 21, she said, giggling and twirling the bright red lollipop through her fingers. They were blaring some kind of pop music over the PA. The other shop girls were dancing suggestively with each other. All that was missing was a stripper pole and a stack of greenbacks. Forever 21 is protected by the sweet Lord Jesus, said the first girl. <laughs> 
then loudly sang, amen, and the other girls wrapped around each other like a human pretzel echoed her. I blinked. I was pretty sure this is where schoolgirls went to shop when they wanted to look like hookers, or vice versa. I'd given my daughter the run of the mall because I always knew there'd be somebody to watch her, but everyone knew she was under strict orders to stay out of this store. Our mission is to dress slutty for Jesus, the girl said. Of course. You spend years running illegal gambling operations, and you learn everything about people's running weird betting patterns, why they picked the point spread they did. Like a 49-point win in a football game when somebody's mother was born in 1949. Seven was a magical biblical number. Seven deadly sins and all that. And three for the Trinity. Three sevens made 21. Seven, seven, seven. The number of the slut. Jesus is so hot! One of the girls screeched. I mean, not with his beard, but if he trimmed it down some, she added. Maybe like a goatee? I love him so much! Well, the other. I'm saving myself for him, the girl nearest me said. We all are. Jesus is my husband! They all shouted in unison. I recognized the music playing as girls just want to have fun. It had been 30 years since I'd heard it, and I still fucking hated it. But I couldn't help but listen and realize it had been altered. After Cindy Lauper sang, Wanna Have Fun, a, robo a robotic auto-tune voice piped in, With my lord. <laughs> <laughs> this place is really safe? I asked. The last pred who attempted to cross the threshold into the lord's own haberdashery was struck down by ashes by the power of goodness and light and Cindy Lauper, the girl said. But you can't stay for long. Why not? I asked. It was the perfect place to catch my breath. Thanks for listening. All Day Coffee was written and produced by me, Greg Robillard, edited by all the negative voices in my head. Music by Matt Dundas. Remember to check out deadfellowsthebook.com, buy it on Amazon, help rebuild Puerto Rico. You can have your ears back.